and it's August about time for my new episode and honestly I don't even think I would have recorded it today it just is interesting that with the pandemic we've all been affected globally and there was a time when work stall life stall you know we really had honestly nothing to do except binge watch Netflix shows and I saw Money Heist that was a show I was never going to watch um but when I did I absolutely loved it and I do agree that they are criminal uh, sort of romanticizing the crime element to it but it's also about the underdogs and somehow we always end up supporting them in every situation that's just human nature it's like playing with the brain human psychology but i saw money heist and i loved it and i thought it was um it's so it definitely gives you an adrenaline rush and you want to keep binge watching things that just have you off the edge or make you jump off your seat any second and i was like what is up with tokyo why is she got no chill but that's so cool right that when she makes her entry back inside the bank with the bike so she knows how to reclaim her place despite messing up in bits and pieces so she's a very independent woman in that way or i wouldn't like to call her an independent woman i'd like to say an independent human being and this is definitely not when i want what i want to talk about today <laughs> which is like we're going to money house in tokyo but i did want to talk about it at some point in my life discuss money house and all my takes on the stuff i watch but recently what i'm watching currently uh right now just two days ago is a show called pose um p o s e pose and my god has the show blown me away it's brilliant um certainly dramatic and very different from the usual content that i watch the last thing that i saw uh, on the lgbtq community was uh, orange is the new black and i never finished it i think i kind of got a little bored of the whole jail setting everything seemed a little repetitive for me and this was like 4 years ago no 3 years ago but pose is on a whole new level and there were so many things that i did not know about the lgbtq community especially the trans people i thought i got an education watching the show their lives and the interesting parallel in the show is that human behavior is so similar it doesn't really matter whether you're straight or l or g or b or t or q it, you know the way people react the way they fall in love the way they behave when they're in love the way they behave when they're not in love the way they behave when they have to sort of give somebody a deception or betrayal or a loss or just when they're done with something or when the adrenaline rush is over or the high is over of knowing someone it's it's so similar all across these uh, gender fluid concepts and that was very informational for me because you know being straight you think that this is probably how a man and a woman love but no i guess every person across um all genders can love this uh, in, in a very similar way and can feel these emotions in an equally similar way so that was a very interesting concept for me i uh, honestly i didn't i didn't know how the trans world worked so much i had no idea Um but the show is not entirely about this it's about the 1980s and New York being the epicenter of AIDS and HIV which is um a topic that I obviously am very 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 passionate about and that's because I think I did mention in my podcast on HIV how uh that influence started by clearly my interest with Freddie Mercury 
and that did happen when Bohemian Rhapsody came out the movie but before uh, and honestly I knew about Queen uh, when I was younger in my teenage years because I was really into rock music back then <laughs> still am but probably cannot have the brain to listen to it every single day but back then you're all you know super uh, pumped up at 15 14 and so you can really you know your head can tolerate it now it's like I'm tired I can't hear rock music all the time but I still love classic rock and um a bunch of other genres however I did know about Queen and I wasn't really um I didn't know much about Freddie Mercury's life I was uh, researching on Jefferson Airplane and Elvis and a lot of soft rock and ACDC uh as well as Guns N' Roses and Meatloaf and these bands and Bon Jovi but then John Bon Jovi has had a pretty uh non-controversial life he's been like a really nice guy he has a family and you know he's been pretty stable in his career as well so I didn't really read up uh, this the crazy on him but I did read the crazy on other people like Lennon and everybody but I didn't really know about Freddie Mercury that much I did know his name it was it's still a bomb name you know why would you not want to know somebody called Freddie Mercury but when i read about his life properly i think around last a year and a half ago no two years ago um that's when it probably hit me really hard that this disaster this disease this virus of aids and hiv it's, it's not a joke and it took away some very 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 talented people on earth and you know the parallels are incredible with covid and hiv it's like being nearly in the same boat literally um it's the show i i recommend everybody to watch it not because you know you have to be lgbtq to watch it you can just be straight and it doesn't matter what religion you're from you can just watch it you know to learn about the people that lived in the 80s and how their life operated and i think every country has uh, trans people uh so a lot of their lives are still very similar their interests and uh, their struggles specifically can really be i wouldn't say generalized but they're they're very similar in in pakistan uh, where i live lahore um there's this video that's been viral it's about this trans woman i think her name's rosie and she uh comes and talks about important social issues and the underbelly of the society but really when you watch the show you realize that probably they've had it really bad that you know none of us in our struggles are in in comparison to uh, transsexuals uh their lives their struggles uh, are on a whole other level um and connecting the dots with the HIV crisis as, as such that when i saw that freddy died because of aids he was so talented and i i think i haven't connected that way to any rock musician the way do to him and his music um it's a fun fact we're we're born on the same day <laughs> and around the same time so that that's something and i i didn't know that and i recently found that out a friend of mine sent me freddy's birthday and i'm like what no way he's my twin and i think i can i can totally relate to that eccentricity and that vibe and that creative stroke and the idea of just wanting to get something done for example freddy was diagnosed with hiv and uh i think no it was it was probably a full blown aids um yeah it, it was aids and not hiv A- aids is i hope everybody knows when hiv has uh basically sort of declared a death sentence on you back in the 80s at least uh today of course things are very different thank god but back then aids was where you could not go back from you did not have time in your hands anymore 
and the only drug available was the AVC or the ACTs, I think that's what they're called. Uh, do correct me if I'm wrong, my pronunciations can vary from time to time depending on my memory. But a little slip here and there aside, uh, the drug was actually supposed to be the first attempt for, of modern medicine to cure these patients. However, um, it really disintegrated the body rapidly and it even brought about a whole bunch of mood swings and weight gain and bloating and uh, so many other problems that it actually made dying seem like a better option. And so Freddie stopped taking the drug and around uh, when he died in 87, that's when the breakthrough medicine came forward that allowed AIDS pa HIV patients to live much longer and the disease to be, you know, sort of like a virus that you're living with every day, but you've got to take a pill or two to keep it under control so that you can transmit it. But that's how far we've progressed today. Thanks to AMFAR and thanks to all the doctors in the world that are working so hard against this. And that's the importance of this crisis and the one that we're in today. There's a huge relation, right? Um, because in the 80s, AIDS was the first virus that declared a death sentence. And having HIV meant that you've got limited time, you've got bored time, and you can infect somebody else in a certain manner. Obviously not as COVID can, but um, it was an STD, right? So it could only be transmitted that way. And if you look at it, I mean, I, before COVID, honestly, I think the first time I heard about the virus, other than my bio book, was when I really felt the effects of how dangerous the situation is, is when I was with my family and we were watching this movie. It was a Bollywood movie and it was Indian because obviously we're in Pakistan and Pakistanis watch Indian cinema and Indian people watch Pakistani cinema. And I think that that's where the controversy should really end for once and for all and not make it political. Uh, but, you know, because we're neighbors and we're bound to watch each other's media irrespectively. And I wish that happened with Iran as well. I, I, I wish we saw more Iran-based movies or Afghan cinema or Afghan music. And I think we do hear Afghan music for sure. But we, as a mainstream audience, have not been introduced to these other forms of media. And I think now we're starting to catch up on some Chinese culture as well. Um, there are these uh, Chinese historical dynasty kind of soap operas on Netflix. And I was watching one of them, uh, not because... I mean, that I watch a lot of that stuff, but just to check it out what it's about. And I realized that the cultural similarities are so similar between Chinese family structures and Pakistani ones. And it's really interesting. Anyway, uh, the virus, right? So, yes, I was watching this movie called My Brother Nikhil. Um, to my audience in India, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen that movie. This this was one, and then there was another one. It, was, it had Salman Khan and Shilpa Shetty. Uh, uh, and I, I don't remember the name exactly. I think it's called Pirmilenge, which means we'll meet again. So my brother Nikhil was really scary. I saw this guy catch the HIV virus and how he's isolated and how he's like almost, you know, re uh, reduced to um, this miserable life where he can't even get treated properly. And treatment, mind you, is not just medicines. It's about, you know, care, a holistic care of all sorts and forms where social contact is certainly necessary. And the interesting part is that when a virus is spread only in an STD form, that sort of, you know, beats my brain of why these patients were isolated so bad and kept in solitary confinements and they get flagged by the government. I, okay, fine, getting flagged by the government, I understand that because whenever you have a deadly virus at hand, you've got to sort of, you know, try and control it. I completely get where that statistical idea is coming from. 
but uh the movie was really scary and i was like what i mean i just thought it was like a regular virus or whatever because i was very little right and i had no clue that this is how it's treated and people are you know um sort of banished from their families and they're isolated so bad and then there was this other one uh, which had Salman Khan and uh, Shilpa and I didn't see all the movie though but I do remember the storyline and that's and I was like whoa this is so scary I don't want to watch it I don't want to watch it like, like I was just scared and I remember that for a long time the whole concept was so scary just as it was to anybody and you know what COVID changed that entirely uh, because in the 80s and even today I guess AIDS and HIV meant that sentence there's so much taboo with it almost thinking about it makes you scared and for a long time it really scared me and i would obsessively talk about this to my best friend who's a doctor and i'm like you know why am i thinking about this but you know life has its own purpose and its own way of um, making you go through things that will actually discover your purpose and i had no clue that if i only faced the fear of learning about this disease could i actually do something and today i can talk about it openly without being scared of like how AIDS patients are kept and stuff because what they need is compassion what they need is a non-alienation program right and they deserve to be treated with care and eventually my fear converted into compassion and it just hurt me so much when I realized that people in Pakistan were suffering on such a massive scale this is way before the Sindh Ratodero crisis broke out we're talking about let's say 2017 and the numbers were just crazy and i'm like what my my muslim islamic country right because we can't really talk about these things here and nobody really wants to as well it's so taboo but i feel like we really should and i feel like we need to and i feel like everybody can be kept safe if this crisis is addressed on time and it wasn't um you had 2 year old little children that were infected with the disease which made no sense right how can they get an std but they did and that's how bad the outbreak was and we still don't know what happened to those people are they on the move where they are right are they spreading it on or not and these are the people that we knew about when the crisis broke out in sindh what about the other people that haven't even been tested so obviously I do wish that one day we can have some sort of test maybe on our Nadra cards or something in Pakistan where we can actually some way forward have this uh you know blood scan for everybody to know their health status and whether they contain any kind of viruses or diseases that are a threat to the other population and we're not going to alienate you or you know keep you out of the loop it just means that you should know your status and you should know whether you are at risk or whether you're worse at at the risk of infecting somebody else right so see this topic gets me so passionate i just can't stop talking about it and i feel like people are so scared to even talk about it that they almost avoid it and that's what we saw our media do for a long time it was barely mentioned then bam it's we don't even know what's going on anymore i have no idea i'm just sitting here in my house researching on my laptop i can't figure it out i can't really go to sin and find out for for now right there's a filmmaker who actually tried making a movie about the situation i will I'll put her name in my comments below or in my um episode description brilliant stuff in pakistan uh but that aside uh coming back to pose so pose is essentially and then I, when i researched more and more i found out who patient 0 was and how this actually started 
And apparently AIDS has been there for a very long time, but it only started uh, affecting a certain subsect of the population in the 80s. That's when people were well aware of it. Before that, nobody really knew or the virus somehow was not as active as it was in the 80s when it turned from HIV into AIDS, right? So posts about that time when the party stopped happening, basically. Because the 70s were when New York was everything and you had people from all over the world coming to experience the New York nightlife. And obviously that meant plenty of unprotection in that region. Uh, And clearly that also sort of made the virus grow because there was this lack of information. And you had uh, places like Studio 54, a legendary club, and whenever and if I do get to be in that part of New York, I would love to, you know, just see that place now and see what it's become. And obviously Studio 54 is um, closed down now. It's no more there. But it was supposed to be this legendary club where you had the um, celebrities of time visited and you couldn't just get in. You had to be something to be in there. So a lot of the rock music scene actually started in there as well. But uh, with the party scene so high, in the 80s, that's when it stopped because of this virus. That's one reason as well. And people had to sort of wake up and, you know, sort of shake up to the reality that this virus is killing them. And it uh, went from the gays and the transsexuals to uh, straight white women. And that's when it became a problem and people had to wake up to it and fix it. So see, this, this a, a similar thing can apply to Pakistan as well, that it's not just a disease of a certain community or certain, let's say, sex workers. We wouldn't even know when and how it slips in the normal community. But before any of these things could happen or we could, you know, take care of this, we had COVID and a similar, similar virus happened where people were swept away in huge numbers um, by the day, by the hours. And you had a whole bunch of people that died all of a sudden with a wave. And now it's like HIV is no, no longer that scary because we know people have uh, medicines to control its a transmission. Uh, so it's no more death, death sentence for those that are affected. Why did they know about it? But with COVID, it was literally a death sentence. And worse, uh, you know, having... And a mechanism of transmission in the air or by hands or by coughing or sneezing or just by talking really that made it so much worse than any other virus we've known and it, it just you know sort of brings you back to the reality that death cannot be escaped and we must make out the maximum that we can of every day that we're alive you know without a virus if you haven't caught the COVID, if you haven't caught the HIV, well, guess what? It doesn't really matter. You're still at risk. And I don't mean to scare you by that, but I just mean that that means, um, I'm using the word mean a lot, <laughs> but that translates that every day must basically be m- managed to its full potential. And that leaves very little time for sloth, which we take for granted because we take time for granted. And I would like to quote um, a certain dialogue from the show I watched, Pose, that time is nobody's friend. It makes you believe that it's there, but it never never really is. So don't get fooled by it. And the show is about how you have people that are diagnosed with this disease, but they're still living their full potential. 
and um i think everybody should watch it because it's gonna sort of you know rub away that hiv aids patient fear that we're so scared to go near these people and we're so scared to you know raise our voices for them and it's like a death sentence but it's not the the virus we fear so much it's the death sentence that we fear more than anything else and it's interesting how these patients were kept in isolation in the 80s even though everybody knew that the virus only spread a certain way and Princess Diana was really essential to break that taboo because she went and met these HIV patients and she sh- uh, shook their hands and hugged them and uh, sat really close to them to sort of show that the virus cannot spread by being kind and you know being compassionate to these people that are already dying, that are on board time, uh, back then specifically. But with COVID, we have actually had to isolate people. And well, let's just say that thank God it was just for 14 days. Uh, you know, what if it was forever? Because for people that had HIV, it meant the second they got in the hospital uh, to their very last day, which was when they died. That's what it meant for them. So there are obviously a lot of similarities uh, between these two crises in the world. But this show uh, is really nice, and I think everybody should watch it. It's It's a nice balance of light and dark content. So it keeps it healthy and um, the storyline is very strong and we get to see the sides of New York that we wouldn't know about. Uh, we've only, you know, been obsessed with Saks and Fifth Avenue and um, the Upper East Side in Manhattan, but there's a whole lot to New York, which um, only true New Yorkers would know about, obviously. But we as foreign audiences can be informed of the underbelly and how hard it was for people out there on the streets just making a daily living or trying to even just get food in their systems. So it's um, pretty good. Yeah, I would recommend people to watch it now since I am hooked to it and I can't stop. Uh, But that aside, I actually had to do a whole podcast on my skincare and my beauty regime. And not that I wanted to, I'd rather talk about, you know, things like this that actually matter to me and the world. Uh, But, you know, I feel like... uh, the DMs in my Instagram are from a lot of girls. And that's the one question they keep asking me that, you know, can you just please do a makeup or a skincare or a hair routine or whatever? Uh, with that, you know, I would like to say, yeah. And I put up three posts where I shot them in broad daylight. Um, and I have no makeup on. I've got moisturizer on, but I've got no makeup on. And I do like to keep my skin moisturized uh, because I feel everybody should, but not to an obsessive point. It's only when I feel it's like really drying out. Mm, everybody has a very uh, different skin type. And I think I'm going to just, you know, culminate part one of my skincare in this podcast and we'll do another one later. Because um, if I don't add this information here, I probably never will. <laughs> I'll probably end up talking about something that's important again more than skincare, but, you know, I feel that um, everything can be essential to everybody. So, and with this episode, I'm really happy that people would also learn something really important, even though they wanted to just have me talk about my skin. But that aside, um, everybody who is not on my Instagram and just listens to my podcast, you can follow me. Uh, I'm going to add my Instagram account details here in the description section of the episode but that aside you can follow me and it's a l i s h b a t a j w a r alishba tajwar on instagram 
and when you do see my instagram the uh, last three posts are about my skincare so i did feel that you know these posts should be um as clear as they can be as sharp as the images can be i really wanted my pores to show and that's exactly why i haven't used any smoothing blurring effect on my pictures literally there's none and my eyes are the shade that they are in the sun and my eyes are really interesting like They'll make limbal rings around them when they feel like it, and I have no control over them. And when I really want those limbal rings to show, they just don't pop. It's, it's funny, but I guess anybody who has them can relate to that. Uh, but no, my eyes are like super, super black. But in the sun, they're not that black now. I guess it just depends really. If I sleep less, maybe they're lighter. If I sleep a lot, then they're super dark, how I like them. Because that's what they really are. They're just super, super dark. I, I haven't really seen... Even my family, I think it's my dad who has these eyes that they're like coal black. But that's it, nobody else does. But eyes aside, yeah, I do feel when you have a post on skin, it needs to be very authentic. It needs to be um, as clear as you can. Because people certainly think that, you know, we look perfect every single day, but we don't. And... Those pictures are where I've gotten with the attempts to fix my skin. Uh, was it better? Yeah, certainly. Um, how good was it? Plenty. All of my teenage, I was the one person who did not break out. My friends did and, you know, they were going through these horrible cycles of acne. And at a point, I almost felt left out. It was the fear of missing out because I'm like, wow, I can't talk about acne. I don't even know how to treat it because I don't have any and i i wish i had like a little pimple hair on my cheek or, or like you know somewhere cute like that because everybody else did and it just was so cool that okay wow these people look like they're growing up and here i am still a baby <laughs> if you know you know um but really acne just hits you when you least expect it that's that's the reality and i think i would have never even thought about skincare or anything to do with skin had acne not have met me in my life it's like falling in love. You don't know when it happens. Acne hits you like that. That's what they say. But um, truly, my mom was after me all my life to just moisturize my skin and use a lotion. And I was so obsessed with looking matte in my face that I'm like, no, I don't want to look dewy. I don't want moisturizer. I'm going to run away. No, no, no. And she'd ask me, do you have your lotion on? Do you have your, you know moisturizer on your face and i'm like yeah 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 yeah, i do i do and she's like i can't see it i'm like yeah yeah i know i put a little but i never put any on and i don't know if she hears us now and she's gonna kill me for it but that's fine um but yeah i didn't really like the whole oily dewy look because when you're when you're little you just want to look super matte like claudia schaffer or cindy crawford and i obviously you know the 90s and early 2000s were just like that but that aside and later um when I, I think when I just uh, was done with my teenage years, and a little later, I feel like I was um, working so hard um, at this point in my university where I had like six courses. And it was crazy. That year was crazy with the workload and when you're graduating and you just like don't know what's going on in your life and the whole bunch of factors can just sort of you know make you sleep deprived and you've got to catch up with your friends and get that thesis project going on and especially with a double major it just gets hard it gets really hard um specifically if you are someone like me who can tend to you know procrastinate a little bit and then you've got this whole bunch of work that's piling up and it gets crazy 
Uh, but that aside, as I feel, not that aside, that inclusive is what I feel really just broke me out. And it started with very mild zits that you couldn't even see. And so I used some makeup to cover them up before, you know, going up to college because I don't want to go with those zits in my face. That's weird. And I'm like, it's going to go away. And it would. It really would. So I would have days of like wearing no makeup. And that that's fine. That's how I grew up, really. I would not have to wear makeup every single day of my life. And I never did that because I was my skin was so clear. I never really needed to conceal or cover anything up. I didn't even have dark circles. Um, until the fourth year, I did start getting them because I was not sleeping at all. And I don't know, I low-key found them nice. I'm like, nice, this looks like an eyeshadow. I look so vampirish. How How hot is this? Yeah, it's just funny. When you're growing up, you like so many different things. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's just funny now. Uh, however, at that point, I didn't, I didn't think acne was going to be such a big deal. And then um, I think I was studying a lot at one point And... That just really triggered it when you have high levels of stress career-wise and work-wise and procrastination takes place sometimes and you can't get stuff done on time and then you've got to meet your friends and, you know, basically you're adulting. And that's when you have adult acne. And I had no clue this kind of curse was existing somewhere in the world. The adult acne curse. Bam, you've got it. And it was bad. It was pretty bad. Um, it started with small zits all over my forehead and um, on my chin. And I'm like, they're going to go away. They always do. And then they didn't. They just got bigger. And then I couldn't even see them anymore. They were embedded like within five layers of my skin. All I could feel was a stone. And that stone hurt like a bruise. And when it was growing inside my skin, it hurt worse than a bruise. It's like your skin is stretching in different places and you can't stop it. So even if you smile or frown or have your normal muscle functions, it hurts really bad. And just the idea of this weird um, collection of God knows what, you know, it's basically pus inside your skin is so annoying. And you're not doing anything to cause it. You're cleaning your skin, you're taking a bath, you're washing your face, you're doing everything that you were doing already in your life. It's not like you woke up and you were specifically dirty. That, okay, now I have acne and I deserve it. That never happened, right? Everybody has a certain hygiene regime. Um, if you thought it would get, make it better, no, it doesn't really. It just it just stays no matter what you do. I've always um, been the one to uh, obsessively eat a lot of fatty foods and also non-fatty foods. So I'm going to have like days where I'm eating really nice and good and healthy and days where I just, you know, order a pizza or something. So it wasn't even your diet or it wasn't even coffee. These are not things that cause acne. I just want to make it very clear. Uh, when people come and give you these myths that, okay, coffee breaks you out or, you know, eating oily, fatty foods break you out. No, they don't. You've always eaten them. You've been who you are. You just don't wake up and become vegan one day. Unless you do, that's a different thing. But mostly, we don't, right? And I didn't. I wasn't going to change my diet. I mean, how much nicer could I be with myself? Um, and I do like to eat very healthy sometimes. And the other times, not at all. So that's the balance, and that's fine. But nothing was fixing it. Um, then I started researching on it, and I would, you know, do everything from, like, uh, putting toothpaste on it to dry it out using uh, whatever else I could find. At one point, I even put a face wash on it to just dry it out for, like, four hours. Then I had a clay mask on the spots to make it better, but it didn't ever get fixed. It only got worse, and 
things got so bad that if there was a specific event um like a holiday or somebody's wedding or you know a birthday or something that I had to go to I was sure that I'm going to break up before it even though if I've been a little clear before and it wouldn't be that way <laughs> so I've had bad birthdays I've had um bad pictures uh where I've had to kind of fix it with makeup or just some kind of you know smoothing effect on the acne spot and that's fine like everybody does it once in a while but for me the worst part the worst part was not just um pictures or how i looked it was that it hurt my face hurt when it moved it hurt um the idea of a foreign particle sort of invading my face was just so irritating and i know everybody who has acne can relate it's not normal it's not natural and it's not something that you're supposed to be comfortable with right you can make peace with it you can be ignorant you can just act like you don't care but it, it just affects you it really does it can make you upset it can make you feel uh lesser of anything physically and it's fine physical imperfections are a part of life and if we or anybody claims that they don't go through them that's a lie we all go through them let's be very clear we grew up a certain way and while you're growing up you're changing so much anyway everybody from men to women everybody changes up when they're growing up and even if you're like the most beautiful girl now or you know let's say the most handsome man now when you're in your 20s that doesn't mean that you didn't have a tough time growing up everybody looks a certain way and you're wishing okay can i get taller uh, you know can i get more of this can i have like a skinnier nose can i have like a um like for me i basically i saw this girl when i was growing up in my teenage i forgot her name yeah no i do remember kira nightly and i really liked her cheekbones I'm like god please can I have her cheekbones <laughs> it's crazy that that prayer came true um when I um started growing up a little more the baby fat in my face sort of got lesser and my cheekbones just popped literally popped and it's almost like whatever you I I feel like um when you physically manifest something you want something you want you know without any surgery or something like that right without any artificial means when just praying to look a certain way i feel like eventually maybe over the years it does get incorporated in your body somewhere somehow uh you just got to be patient i th- i think i really wanted cheekbones really 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 desperately when i was 13 12 and i didn't have any i had a really round face back then and they just you know somehow well got there and not overnight obviously but over the course of time that it probably takes to sharpen your features up anyway so so yeah we all go through um various physical changes that can affect us they should not and as much as we you know we'll talk about how the world is so superficial and we shouldn't really care about how we look physically it's only normal to slightly naturally and we absolutely are in a very material world um this track came out years ago by madonna but you know it's still applicable today and being in a material world means that we're going to absolutely go for face value so whatever glitter is we we want it to be gold we don't we don't even care if it's not gold we just want it to be gold which means that we're going to invest on something that looks nice physically and knowing that that's such a narrow margin of judgment that we all do and it's fine we're human beings right um we shouldn't but we do knowing that is the only window people have for any kind of opportunity in life to be accepted why would you not want to look good everybody would does and for me it wasn't even about the fact that there's beauty or not the fact that my skin was just not normal i would look at people and i'm like you know what the hell do they do to get that clear skin it seems 
when you don't have something and you see somebody else have it, I wouldn't say that you're envious or you have toxic negative feelings, but I feel like you start to think that God knows how much effort that person puts into achieving it. Because for you, that normal now becomes very effortful, even though they may have gotten it effortlessly. For example, my skin is fixed now, so it seems effortless. It's like I wake up and I do nothing anymore. But when it wasn't, there was so much effort that was going into fixing it. So when I saw somebody else that had clear skin, I'm like, what What does she do? What does he do? How is their skin so clear? Do they, like, they must be working a lot for it, even though they weren't. That's what just happens when you're at a discrepancy of any sort in life. Um, and... Uh, it did take a toll on me. The acne, it just became a normal now. It, when I'm meeting my friends, they would know, oh, well, you know, it, she she breaks out, it's fine. And it just was something that everybody had to adjust to. I think they didn't really care, but uh, for me, it just became a normal. And I'm like, I can't fix it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to fix it when, I don't know, when I'm older, when I'm more of an adult, when, like, I don't know, I just don't have the time and effort energy to actually go to a doctor. Because, um... The best doctor that I did know of, uh, they ran lots of tests, like lots of tests. And then they tried to put you on some sort of um, organic medicines. And if those results did not show up, then they put you on multivitamins. And if you still didn't see things improve, then they eventually put you on the right treatment. And that was such a long and arduous process that after getting my blood work done and after taking multivitamins, my skin was still not fixed and I was just pissed off I was like I'm not even going to go to this doctor anymore Um, because I want a treatment at this point I want it to be fixed and the options that were available were Accutin and Accutin is um, basically a prescription pill but that has a whole bunch of side effects and I did not want to go through those side effects they were scary and um, I didn't do anything anymore I stopped I'm like whatever it's going to stay it's going to stay um, you know, that's how it is. And then I randomly started reading up on kombucha tea and kefir water. And I wasn't going to really invest in them, but I really wanted to taste them and see what they were like. And so I met this woman online, a fit like photo. She's got an Instagram page, um, but she only delivers in Pakistan, right? I think primarily Islamabad, Lahore. And now there are a lot of, a lot of people in Pakistan that are making uh, kombucha and kefir tea. Uh, kombucha tea and kefir water sorry got that mixed up but back then there was only far that i knew about and i ordered her a kombucha and kefir water it was supposed to cleanse your gut and lb in my gut is pretty cleansed but i saw its effect only on my skin and because i don't think you should take any kind of probiotic unless you really need to and i didn't need to um probiotics are all the hype nowadays but i feel like they can imbalance your flora and fauna that are in your intestines so you don't really need something only take them if you really need them or if a doctor prescribes them but since this was um homemade and it was you know free of any medicine so it doesn't really give you side effects um i took them for two months and i saw that my skin cleared up it was glowing it was brighter than its normal skin tone and it was just crazy and I didn't have any more pustules or cystic acne forming in my skin anymore and that was I was so excited about that I was so happy and that stayed for a very long time that that was there 
until unless I started doing mixed martial arts. And when you're practicing kickboxing, you're obviously sweating a lot. And you're sweating a lot, and you know, your face on the floor, and your face is like uh, basically with gear. So maybe that's how I kind of uh, got it back again, and I started breaking out really bad again. And then it stopped on its own as well when um, I stopped uh, stopped going to mixed martial arts classes for a while. And then eventually I started meditating a lot in my life and tried to, you know, remove any kind of mental blocks. I saw that help insanely. I was not breaking out at all. My skin was so clear. Um, that's That's the first improvement that I saw. But I still felt that I needed to do more um, because I was no more comfortable even with an occasional breakout and sometimes it would happen for no reason despite having a clear mind, a good heart with you know positivity and nice people in my life I still felt that I was still breaking out and that's when I finally decided to um, try a medication which was isotretinoin and that's a topical gel, it's 0.05% and I did consult a doctor uh, this time before going to try it out. And my doctor said that, you know, you can only use um, a pea-sized amount in your face. So you basically use a pea-sized amount in your face and you wash it up after half an hour or one hour. And if your skin can tolerate it, you take it up uh, by sleeping with it on. But you don't exceed the amount of it being a pea-sized. That's it. And you do this for like 20 days, 25 days, or as, as long as you think your skin needs it. You do try and tend to shed skin like crazy. It's it's really bad. Um, you feel like a snake, I would say. Literally a snake. Uh, you're just waking up and your skin's like flaking off on your face. You are like the driest human being in the world. Um, almost like you're a corpse. I hope that's humorous. I don't know if it is. But that's what it does to your skin. And so you cannot take it without a doctor recommending it to you. And you cannot exceed the pea-sized amount, no matter how bad your skin is. You've got to stick to that, even lesser if you can, and take it up to a pea-sized amount. Um, But I really saw an improvement. I was no more getting cystic acne. It stopped entirely. And because it basically is supposed to enhance your cell turnover, that's why your skin is shutting off so fast. The skin that would shut off, let's say, in two months is now shutting off over a night or two nights. That's obviously going to affect you. And that will enhance you to grow fresh skin out, which is what your skin essentially was like pre, pre-adulthood, pre-life. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's, it's pretty good. I would not say it's a bad thing in moderation, certainly. And that has been how I cured my acne. I feel like this, because this is supposed to give you permanent results. And... So now if I have to, you know, sort of, if I get a zit occasionally here or there, that's fine. I'm going to just, you know, put a little bit of um, the ointment on and go to bed. That's fine. But that's been my skin. And I feel like it can, your skin can affect you more than anything, more than which, uh, whether your, what your body type is or what your body size is or your clothes or whatever. Your skin is like how you are as a human being that's what you feel you feel it's the first thing anybody notices even though it may not be but that's what it translates to and i know men struggle with acne scars they have um, dents in their skin and i see that very commonly but as a woman i feel like would i notice that about someone no i don't think so i really don't think so 
I know because I know men have insecurities like us women do as well. And so I've heard people talk about, you know, acne scars plenty. But as like uh, personally, would I care if some guy has acne dents on his face? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think it's kind of nice having a little, you know, scar or a little dent on your face because I feel it brings character to a person. It means you've gone through something. That's literally how I felt in my teenage. My skin was so clear it became annoying. I remember at one point, I even started putting molds on my face with like a marker. I'm like, oh, you know, at least I have like a mole now. There's some character, there's some depth, there's some personality. Because being so clear can be a little boring at, at one point. And so for me, if somebody says they want to get their acne scar filled up, that's fine. If you want it, that more power to you. And I respect and support your decision. But if I knew you and if like that's something that I would see for the first time, I don't think I would want to even change it. It just seems so perfect now that I think about it. That journey of having that cleft in there, I think it's low-key attractive, if nothing else. And I may sound really crazy saying that, but I just tend to find beauty in these things at this point in my life. I don't think anybody's supposed to strive for perfect. Yes, make it better and get better. Cystic acne is annoying. It's not even about looking beautiful anymore. It's not even a zit that you're like, okay, wow, the spot is there. It looks kind of cute like a mole. No, it just is irritating. It's a bump. Your skin is textured. It's not normal. You know, you've got normal texture like blackheads or whiteheads, but having a cystic bump randomly appear anywhere in your face is just irritating and annoying. And I'm I'm happy that I no more have to deal with that right now. Um, and I still occasionally use uh, the ointment whenever I have to. But at least I have something that can sort of make it go away. That um, doesn't have side effects and is actually good for my skin because it's a vitamin A derivative. So that's been my journey for curing acne. And I will talk more about uh, whatever else I do to keep my skin healthy and um, whatever I take in holistically for you know getting that glow what people keep asking me about it um yeah there's a lot that you can do to get that glow and i i feel everybody can um there are plenty of things and i just think that they all translate to that glow that's probably how it is so that's probably the next episode and i'm gonna sign off with the oldest plethora of information and tv shows um here is wishing everybody a healthy safe august i feel like we're very close to the vaccine this has really been a breakthrough with so many countries now um, talking about endorsing it so we're definitely getting somewhere and i feel like the nightmare is ending of the covid crisis but this just brings me back to one last thing i want to say that it's so essential to invest in scientific research in every country because at the end of the day science does save the world so whoever underrates us underrates it you know is wrong